You know, Christmas, I've titled this message today, I'm going to interact with the Christmas story, but I want to interact with it for the purpose of taking it with us into 2023. And I totally recognize that that in a matter of days, decorations are going to start coming down. Places that have looked special for this season are going to begin to to look routine. How many of you guys feel like your house just gets this severe downgrade in about a week, right? It looks so spectacular, and now it just kind of looks like, oh... What did we do to the place? It looks terrible. Uh, Well, there's something about the Christmas story that can get trapped in a box. It can live in one little location in our lives. But it is an amazing thing that there's no other event like it in the world where the world stops and takes notice of this event. But I want to highlight some things for those who traveled through the events. That this was, a, this was a strange story. It was a strange success story. God had something in mind. It's going to be successful. But we know that looking back at it. Right? This is kind of like revisiting history. You know, if you guys like to, to visit museums. I don't know if you guys have been to the World War II Museum. One of the best museums in the nation. And it's right here in our backyard. If you've never gone, it's incredible. Our own Mike Alexander is involved with... Uh, uh, serving over there at, at the museum. But when you, when you go to a museum or you read history or you commemorate an event like we're doing with Christmas, you do recognize it's one thing to recall history and it's another thing to live through it. Right, so when you go to the World War II Museum and you look at the beaches of Normandy and what took place at Omaha Beach and this moment when the, the whole world could go in one direction or it could go in another. And if you live through those moments, if you were part of fighting in those battles, in the trenches, in those moments, you, you didn't know the outcome. You were taking steps of faith and you were walking through something that you didn't know what it was going to turn into. Now, you and I have the benefit of revisiting history. We look back on history, we're a little, a little more relaxed, we know how the story ends, right? For those of you who aren't, aren't big World War II fans, uh, all of us here are Saints fans, we're having a hard time this year being Saints fans, but we're normally Saints fans. Right? You guys remember we'd never been to the Super Bowl. Right? I grew up here in New Orleans, we almost never had winning seasons, and all of a sudden, we're in this Super Bowl chase, right, 2009. And we're in the playoffs, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. It's intense. We're playing the Vikings. Remember this game? And you're thinking, are we actually going to pull this off and, and, and get to the Super Bowl? Well, it's one thing to look back on it now, but you guys remember watching those games, you know, and you're having the battle through. This is not going to work. We, we never get to the Super Bowl. Our team never wins. We're never this team. And now we look back on it with this victorious story. Well, well Christmas is kind of that event. If you traveled through it, it felt one way. And you and I, we're going to remember the history of 2022. We're about to travel through 2023. And I really want the Christmas story to travel with us. I want its uniqueness to show up when you and I start thinking about what's this year going to be like as we go to face it. Well, we're going to commemorate this event today called Christmas. And I'm going to introduce four D's to you that I'm going to move through kind of quickly. If you were traveling through the Christmas story, there was a whole group of doubters traveling through the story. There were 
some destroyers set on destroying the Christmas story before it would ever take place. There were some rather distracted people who didn't even notice it took place. But there was one holy, determined character in this story. He was determined for this story to take place. And here we are celebrating that event. So I don't know, you know, maybe some of you guys are new to reading the Bible and you, you read the Bible, it's, 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 you know, and what exactly is this book? And it's full of some religious ideas. It's probably got some moral code in it. You know, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Uh, and you can read the Bible that way. And there is a lot of stuff in it that steers our lives this way rather than that way. But an obvious thing that's easy to overlook is this is a, a, a book about a person. It's about God himself. Every page is trying to pull back and let us see something greater about God. So when you read the Christmas story of all that it generates for us, it's the knowledge of God himself that's most valuable to us. So let's pick up on the Christmas story. Let me introduce us first, not because I'm going to introduce it, but the Bible introduces us right away to the characters who fill the pages of being the doubters in this story. Luke chapter 1. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and in verse 7. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God... Verse 11 says, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. All right, well, this is where the Christmas story really kind of begins. Right? It pans out from Mary and, and it pulls into the story Mary's cousin Elizabeth and Zechariah who have no children, but they're going to have John. Who's, we're going to know him as John the Baptist. He's going to be the forerunner. He's going to be the one who goes before the great day of the Messiah coming. But in this story, there's a setting here. Right? This is where God's about to do the biggest thing in history that you and I are still talking about some 2,000 years later. The setting opens with, in the days of Herod. There were particular days in which God was about to do something in the days of Herod. Now, if, if the Bible came with a soundtrack, right? You know how you watch movies and, and, the, and the soundtrack kind of communicates. You kind of prepare yourself for whatever the scene's about to be. If the Bible came with a soundtrack and the phrase, in the days of Herod, was about to be said, something like the Darth Vader music would have been playing. You know, you got this, in the days of Herod. Um, He is a bad character. He's a bad actor. And this is a bad environment. And, And maybe if we were counseling God, we might say, God, are you sure this is the moment to do the biggest, most memorable event in history? This is the moment to do this. Do you understand the environment that you're putting this baby into? There is this 
local warlord named Herod who's running things at a local level. He's totally corrupt. He's after his own interests. And he's got quite a following of people. And he's intimidating. And worse than that, over him is this thing called the Roman Empire. All the power, all the corruption, all the non-God elements of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire wasn't standing in line to honor the coming of the king, the Messiah being sent. They didn't believe in this Messiah who was supposed to come from this people that they had conquered, these Jews among them that they now were oppressing and allowing this little puppet named Herod to run things at a local level. But into that environment, God was about to do something amazing in that, I would say, acidic environment. Now, this is going to be helpful, right? If I move beyond this story, some of us have been through years that were acidic years in our lives. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Every character in place, every obstacle was present. And yet God was about to do something. These stories inform us about what God is like. I don't know what 2023 is going to be like. You know, if you're one of those Christians who's got a little bit too far in one political direction, you're, you're hoping that this year all the right players are going to get in place so that whatever God wants to do, he can finally pull it off. Now, you know, when I say that in its election night, we can feel one way. But when I say that against the, the story of God chose when to send his son into the world, when it was being run by these illegal uh, warlords who were corrupt, had no honoring of God taking place. How many of us recognize God doesn't need the government to do great things in this world? I mean, do you recognize that? So in 2023, if we're all waiting for the government to get it right and everybody to, to be politically on the right side of things so that God can do something amazing, no, he doesn't need that. We're, we're 2,000 plus years removed from one of the worst settings ever and God stuck his story right in the middle of that. But there's, there's a thing that God does that involves people who are full of doubt, right? Zechariah is a man who's going to struggle with doubt. When he hears the story that God somehow is going to use him and his wife to bring something great into the world. Do you recognize that, that God is in the habit of picking the most unlikely characters and events and settings to do great things? Right? The, the, the Old Testament is about the nation of Israel. Do you remember how God selects the nation of Israel? He says, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest. I chose you because you were the least. As a matter of fact, everybody's going to pick on you from now on. And yet you're my chosen ones. Then when Jesus comes to earth, he grows up from being a baby. He picks disciples. He picks these common Joes, these 12 nobodies. And they're going to be the ones who are going to carry this message of the gospel into the world. And here you and I are 2,000 years later. He picked pretty well, didn't he? But they were nobodies. There was nothing amazing and nothing special about them. Right? And the Bible says this about how God does this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 speaks to us when it says, Hey, consider your calling. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. 
But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. Strange, right? God chose what's low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. God, why do you do weird stuff like that? Verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word boasting is, it's a confidence word. And I don't know how you're feeling moving into 2023. I don't, I don't know what circumstances have accumulated in your life that makes you stare into 2023 and feel what? Do you feel vulnerable? Do you feel like, you know, I'm just a little tentative about some things, my health, my finances, the way things are going relationally, my, my office, what's going on at work. Or maybe you're feeling like, hey, we are finishing this year on a windfall. Profits are up. We're doing really, really well. And you feel confident going into 2023. Can I just break some news to you? God is not interested in your confidence. God is into designing a world where you don't feel self-confident. He's into creating a world that you're staring into where your confidence is in him. And he does these things on purpose. And he assembles characters into his story that look like these people can never pull this off. There's no way they can pull this off. And Zechariah is our, our doubting guy in the beginning here. Luke chapter 1 verse 18. Listen, he says, Zechariah said to the angel... How? How shall I know this? This is a, this is a confession full of doubt. What, what are you talking about? How? How is this going to happen? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I'm not sure how that preaches if you're in a prosperity church. My words will be fulfilled and you did not believe them. Who's the mover and shaker in these stories? Is it Zechariah? Did Gabriel show up and say, Zechariah, I need your A game, man. We need, you to, we need you to lean in, bro. I know you're old. I know you've never been able to have children. I know this sounds impossible, but dude, we, we so need you. Gabriel announces to him, you know what? You, you don't believe what I'm telling you, but in time, it's exactly going to come to play out this way. Right? He wasn't the only doubter in that setting. You remember Gabriel. Gabriel must have had a ministry to doubting people. Luke chapter 1 goes on and says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, What? How will this be since I am a virgin? Mary doesn't protest. She's not angry. She's not, that's ridiculous. I don't believe in God. But the circumstances of her life don't mesh with what God is doing. Her life is, I've, I've never been been with a man. What, what you're saying isn't possible. Not from my life setting. It's just not possible. But that's exactly how Zechariah and Elizabeth felt too. What you're saying doesn't fit my life. It, it can't happen. You understand? We're old. We've never been able to have children. You understand? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. What you're describing can't take place. But here we are, 2,000 years later, celebrating a story that didn't fit the times that got greeted by doubt. And if you have an outline, I wrote the beginning, at the end of that little section, God places his great works amidst the doubts of men. So you and I are in good company, aren't we? If God is going to be at work in my life in days ahead, he will have to overcome my doubts too. Don't don't run past this historic story too fast. What you and I celebrate today, initially, doubters traveled through it with God. And whatever you and I are going to be experiencing in the coming year, you're going to have moments where what God is seeking to fit into your world, you're going to turn around and say, God, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit my life. Did God... You know me. You know what I'm like. That's not going to work. And so if you have those moments, does that undo God? Well, here we are, right? 2,000 years later, telling the story that doubters should have undone, but they didn't. Neither did the destroyers that were there. You're not the only person who has faced some kind of opposition in your life. Something that stands against whatever purpose God has for you. Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now you know when... When the warlord's troubled, everybody's troubled. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Then in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region who were two years old or under, according 
to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. There's a couple traveling through this story. He's a carpenter. He's got a a modest paying job. And suddenly a revelation of some enormous event has taken place to him. But he's, he's still a carpenter needing the next paycheck. And he's following God into a story that halfway makes sense. And then he gets news that this rabid king, the bad guy, who's got resources to do whatever it is that he needs to do, is killing children left and right because he's after your child. He's after you. And we read the story, right? We visit the museum, we read the story, we see the plaque on the wall. And so Joseph and Mary pick up and go to Egypt. And then we just keep reading, right? You understand, it didn't say Joseph and Mary went to Kenner. This is Egypt, right? This is not right around the corner. This is, this is two individuals who's got to figure out how to navigate a story when the forces that are coming against them have unlimited resources to conquer whatever it is that God has just put in their life. Listen, I know this is, this is trapped and tucked within the Christmas story, but it's a story about God, isn't it? It's a story about what God is like when God interacts with the story that he's writing into every life. This is how God is. There are moments in which God is not going to make the bad guys not do anything, quote, bad. This guy goes off the rails. There's word. He was after us. Did you hear? He killed every child. Two years old and under. Does that get your attention? Well, I can guarantee you something in 2023 is going to be a bad actor who's going to do something that's going to get your attention. And you're going to think somehow that's coming next for me. Now, you're not in the Christmas story, but the God who is in the Christmas story, he's successful. He's strange in the way he does things, but he's successful in leading us through those events. So when you face something that feels like this is going to destroy something about my life, it could, be, it could be your health, it could be a broken relationship. I mean, 2023, who knows what's waiting for us. But don't, don't leave this God in a manger story, right? When you go into the next year and as you celebrate this event, and as you and I spend today and tomorrow celebrating this event, celebrate the God of this event, who wants to be this in the daily spaces of my life. He doesn't want me just busting out some great decorations, sticking them up and remembering unique things. Look how quaint, how cute. No, there's a God who's powerful and who's writing a story and who's amazing in what he does. But but it's going to feel kind of strange to us as we watch these things take place. One more character list and... We're way too familiar with this one if we're humble enough. The distracted people. This story is full of distracted people. When John narrates the gospel story of Jesus' incarnation, coming to earth, being born as a manger, he says it this way. John chapter 1, verse 9. 
the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet, yet the world did not know him. How strange is that? Everything that exists has been touched and created and animated and set in motion by that baby sitting in the manger. Everything. And when this grand appearance of all time frames takes place in this moment, they don't even notice who he is. Verse 11. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. How strange is that? His own people. You know, you know who these own people are? These own people are this nation that God chose in the Old Testament. That he would walk with and travel with through time. And he would give special revelation to them. He would give them his word. And he would, he would have lots and lots of Sunday school classes with these people. And along the way, it's like he would lay this bread trail crumb. He'd, he'd put this crumb down. He'd put that crumb down. He'd put that crumb. He'd lead them through time. And he'd teach them about these breadcrumbs. Hey, this one means this. This one means that. This one points to this, right? So you read the Old Testament. You find all these stories about the, the tabernacle and these sacrifices, these festivals that were held throughout the year. Every one of them was like a little miniature lesson trying to teach them something. Every one of them. You know what was trying to teach them? It wasn't trying to teach them how to fill their social calendar up. Some religious activity. Hey, hey this is where the, the church meets. This is when they meet. Hey, there's an event here. It's a Christmas thing. Hey, put that on your calendar. Put that on your calendar. No, every breadcrumb was supposed to lead to this one place. The coming of the Messiah. Every one of them. So how do you get to this moment? And he came to his own and his own did not receive him. How do you get there? I don't know, but you do. This is the cast of characters in God's story. This is not an impressive bunch, is it? They were busy. They were doing life. They were like us. Right? Jesus is being born in a manger because there's, we know the story. There's no room for him in the end. Why? Because the inn was full. They were travelers. People were staying in the hotels. It was a time of year where people would have been coming around the surrounding areas in Jerusalem. They had stuff to do. We have stuff to do, don't we? Listen, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know everybody's face in here this morning. I, I, I grew up in a setting where I, I knew lots of breadcrumb stories. I, I could have told you some things about the Bible. I could have told you some things about the story. I didn't every Christmas sit down and stare at decorations and go, what on earth is that about? I knew what it was about. I knew it was about the birth of Jesus Christ. But somehow I could stare at that and that didn't belong to me. That didn't live in me. That didn't find its way into my soul and fly out of me. I'm going to challenge you here. You're at the end of a year here. And, and I, know that, I know this to be true in my own life. That you can get around stuff about God and not know him. That could be anybody's story here. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. 
They had heard stories. They had been taught. They had been in religious settings. They were moral boundaries. This group of people would have done this, but they would not have done that. They would have frowned upon that. They would have thought that's wrong. That doesn't please God. They would have used all kinds of language. But they were in a condition that didn't welcome and receive God himself into their lives. And so, listen, if God has been in some closet for you, or, or maybe you don't even know where God has been in 2022, or you're approaching 2023, there's something about what God wants in this story. Right? He doesn't want to just come to earth. He, he wants to have an impact from the inside out in our lives. So if that's missing, can I just invite you, rethink where you are. And don't do that casually. Stop where you are and say, hey, do I, do I just want to repeat spiritually what I've been going through? What I've been having? This, this outward activity, but, but nothing on the inside. God is looking to revolutionize us from the inside out. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, right? We sing about joy to the world. That was supposed to find its way into our souls. It was supposed to be something that reverberates inside of us because God comes alive in us. And that's not where we are. We're kind of in this story. These people were distracted. Somehow God was doing something right in front of them and they just didn't see it. Anybody, anybody got any distraction issues going on in your life these days? Right, a little distracted, aren't we? All right, so you got... You get doubters in this incredible story. You got destroyers who are bent on never coming to pass. You've got distracted people who don't even see it coming. But you've got this one player who is determined to accomplish his purpose. And that's why here we are some 2,000 years later. And we're still talking about this. Because there is a God who is determined. He's determined to do something in your life. He's determined to do something in my life as well. But it's, it's a bit of a strange thing, right? Are you prepared for God to do something strange in your life? Strange to us. It's not strange for God. It's strange to us. God doing things that puts you and I in a position of vulnerability and need. Needing him to show up. In our lives. Well, I'm going to invite Gina and, and Seth, uh, I guess, to come back up. There's a song that this, this song always kind of leapt out at me. Christmas song tells the story of a God who does a strange thing to save us. And then you and I are called to relate to that God for the rest of our lives, to walk with him. And we, we need to be prepared. That the God who is in this moment doing a strange thing, it's a strange thing for the God who created the universe to be laying naked in a manger. Is that strange or what? But it is God interacting with our world. And as, as you hear this song, and as you ponder the strange thing God did in Christmas. I'm going to come back up and I'm going to pray for us, but I want, I want to prepare you for how I want to pray for us. Because I, I want Christmas to, to live on past this Christmas for you. I, I, want it to, I want it to go into 2023 for you. So if you were to, to be here this morning pondering 
an awful lot like Zechariah. I'm an awful lot like Mary. When God does something in my midst, uh, you know, I'm, I'm full of doubt. I just, I just don't know where I'm at with that. Or maybe you're, you've lived this totally distracted life. Maybe 2022 has been full of noisy distractions. No matter what God is doing near to you, you seem to not be connected to it. But what if God could show up in your coming year? Could do what he does by coming into this world in the strangest of ways? What if God is choosing to come to your life in 2023 in the strangest of ways? Would you just ponder that for a moment? I'm going to come back up. I'm going to pray for us and send us into our Christmas celebrations and hopefully take this with us into the next year. Inside this 
I know for some who are gathered here on this Christmas Eve, Lord, they are looking at life and life's events. They're asking their own set of questions why? Lord, why? Why these circumstances? Why these events? Why these people? why my life feels this way. Lord, you are the God who didn't stand at a distance when we were asking questions about why. Why life sometimes feels like it's confusing, it's empty. Lord, we're celebrating something at Christmas. You coming into our need. You stepping into our lives. You standing in our place. Well, that's what you did at the incarnation. So, Father, for every person who comes to the end of 2022 and they're asking a boatload of why questions, or would you introduce us to what you do? Lord, it may seem Strange. It may seem hard to believe. Lord, we may be distracted from how important it really, really is. So, Lord, would you turn our eyes once again, Lord, as Christmas Eve and Christmas are among us and we think about this child coming and all the details that went into you writing this strange story that we are still celebrating all these years later. God, I pray suddenly what would come into our hearts by your spirit is faith for what strange story you may be writing for us that we doubt and we're distracted from and we're concerned about. But, oh God, be found, celebrated in the future as your great faithfulness is determined to bring your goodness, your will, your purpose to pass in our lives for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas to you guys, you guys watching. Merry Christmas wherever you are. Hopefully you're staying warm. We'll see you guys next week.